that are operating by the Spirit. And anyways, this is, this is just something I want you guys to have. Take home with you. Fold it up. Put it in your Bibles. Put it away. Do not be reading it while I'm preaching. Turn to your neighbor and say, put it away. Okay, so that needs to go in the front of your Bible. And, because what I'm going to talk about, what I'm going to talk about is this is probably, um, probably one of the most important series that we will ever do. So I'm glad you guys are here. I didn't tell you before what we were going to talk about, but we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to talk about marriage relationships. And we're going to talk about relationships. So the principles that can be applied to marriage and marriage relationships also can, re- can be applied. What we're going to learn can also be applied to you as individuals if you're not married. If, if you're single or if you've, if you've been divorced, um, um, you can take these things and you can get a greater understanding of what uh, God's design is for marriage. So we want to be able to see and to understand what that is today. I want to I share with you um, today as we go along. I mean, God's just orchestrating some things. But um, how do we view our, our relationships when it comes to marriage? One of the things that you have to realize and understand is that we get our value system, our views of marriage, most of the time from what our parents was like. And if your parents had a good marriage or bad marriage, that's what you view marriage of. And a lot of times you can see the good things and you can see the bad things and you can say, well, I'm not going to do it this way or I'm going to do a little bit differently. You know, you may not have parents that, 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 that were together and that showed you a good marriage. You, you may be looking at in-laws and they, they may have a marriage that it may not be good or, or it may be a great marriage. But a lot of times we model things after what we see. And, and you do not, do not take what you see on TV as being the truth on marriage. Amen? So but that's, a lot of times our kids are doing that. You know, a lot of times our kids are looking at Hollywood and they're seeing this, these, these glamorous type marriages and, and the worst marriages in the world, listen to me, are in Hollywood. All right? So let's just make that real clear today. So we want to begin to look at this and then we want to take a look at some foundational laws of marriage. Because when you all come into it, when you all get involved in it, you carry baggage. You walk in and you got your bags in your hand and you, you say, okay, baby, let's, let's get married. You know, and you're, you're carrying this baggage with you, you know. I mean, you, you, you think you're not, but you are. And some of it's, you know, you got to U-Haul out back with the baggage that you're bringing into it. Amen? So we begin to look at this and begin to understand this. And I, I want us to talk about a little bit about how to have a great marriage. You know, and some people say that you can't have a great marriage and have great children at the same time. But I, I don't believe that's true. I believe that you can have a great marriage and you can have great children all at the same time. Now, there's three main issues that, that we know that statistically prove out why, um, why people break up, why they, why they get a divorce, why they have a bad relationship or bad marriage. The number one issue is finances, say finances. You know, that's the number one. That's the number. Money is it. I mean, we've touched on it a little bit. But the second thing is communication. Say communication. And boy, we just aren't good communicators at times. I mean, let's be, let's be real. Can I be real? I mean, that's how I am anyways. Most of you that are visiting are going to say, that guy's kind of transparent. And you're going to say, yeah, yeah, he stumbles and falls right in front of you. Amen. But he also gets back up. But men are not real great communicators. 
And we're not. Um, but women, there's times where you're not real good communicators either. Amen? I mean, men, when they say, you know, what's wrong? And you say, nothing. Uh, your communication skills aren't the best. Amen? Because you know that, you know, that's, uh, men just going to have to learn and ask again. Say, I know she's not telling me the truth there when nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong, just leave me alone. Okay, that's natural. So we have to realize and understand that communication is a real difficult thing for not only men, but even in marriages. Listen, and this also applies to relationships, whether you're not married, you know, if you're single and, and you're not married right now, or, or you're the youth out here that, um, that you know, you want to have a good relationship when you get married. And the other thing is sex. Say sex. Oh, I can't believe that you said that word in church. Say that again. Sex. Okay, you know, whew, uh, I'm blushing up here, you know. The lights are hot. So to, when we go, and this is the beginning of a series, you know, and I'm just going to let God mature this thing as we go along. But I want us to talk about relationships. So if you've got some people, some friends, this is an ideal time, and they, they, they don't go to church, you say, you know what, you need to come here on Sunday mornings, and you need to be able to hear these foundational laws for marriage, and we're going to talk a, a lot about that. Now, some of you are going to get some answers immediately. There's going to be some things that are going to happen. The lights are going to come on, and you're going to say, okay, I can get an answer to that. But some of you are going to feel a little irritation. Some of you are going to feel a little rub, like sandpaper or sand in your shoes. Or Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's going to be uncomfortable for a little bit, but that's, that's okay. Because I believe, that, um, I believe that it'll cause you to change. How many of you know if you get something in your shoe, <laughs> you're going to change? Amen? I mean, there's been times where we've been playing basketball or something. There's something in there. And I t- unlace it, take it off, take my sock off, dump out my shoe. It causes me to change, doesn't it? And there may be some things in here that's going to cause you to change. But I'm really excited about uh, the principles that we're going to bring forth today. See, the goal is to resolve conflicts and to continue to go grow. And that's what I want you to understand. It's to resolve conflicts and to continue to grow. Great marriages are not marriages without conflict. Great marriages are not marriages without conflict. But great marriages are the ones that they learn to resolve those conflicts. Amen? So that's what I want to look at. And we'll touch on um, conflict resolution, how to resolve some areas, uh, some issues in your life. Um, 50% of all the people in the world are married. This is the lowest in the history of the world. We have now reached a low point in marriage. Why is it that people don't want to get married? What is it that marriage contains that we are afraid of? Uh, in fact, most of the people now, they live together before they get married. And I'm telling you, when you live together before you get married, it causes a whole lot more problems. It it, it opens the door for a whole lot of other things to take place when you do that. So, I mean, that's that's not God's way. But I want you to know that marriage is God's answer to loneliness. Marriage is God's answer. It's His plan. And listen, when you do it His way... It works 100% of the time. It works 100% of the time. When you begin to realize and understand that I've got this plan of marriage and I want to do it God's way. See, when we realize and understand some things, there are a couple things that I want us to begin to focus on this morning specifically. 
is that when, when you begin to learn some things and you say, okay, uh, in this series that we're beginning to do on marriage, there's a couple things that I've got to realize, first of all. If you don't do these two things, it's not going to matter much. You're just going to be sitting. You're, you're not going to be a doer of the word. You're, not, you're going to hear some things, and it's not going to really matter because you're not wanting to make some adjustments. First of all, I want you to understand is that you need to focus on yourself. All right? You don't focus on your spouse. You know, when the preacher's preaching and does something and you kind of go, did you hear that? <laughs> don't do that. All right? Don't do that in this series. Do not do that in this series. All right? Because it's about focusing on yourself. We're going to have plenty of different times where, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of bring revelation to the women. But we'll also bring revelation to the men. Amen? Because we're equal opportunity here. I, you, know, I, you know, I believe that it takes, uh, definitely takes two to tango. And, and for us to be able to have a great marriage, it, it takes both of you. It takes work on both your behalves. So make sure that you focus on yourself and not your partner or your spouse. All right? The second thing is be willing to make some changes. You've got to be willing to make some changes. The people that will get the most out of this series are those that say, Lord, change me. Lord, look at me. Lord, change me. And you have to do this. You have to give God permission to do that. Lord, change her. She needs it. Change her, God. About time God was dealing with her. But you know what? We've got to be willing to receive what the Lord wants to. We've got to be willing to say, God, change me. Let's pray. Father, we know that we don't need to be focusing on other people and saying this is what they need in their marriage but, and relationships, but what we need in our marriage and our relationships with each other. Lord, we're asking you now to change us. Lord, change us. Change me. Lord, I pray that the hearts will be submitted, that our wills will be submitted to you in every area that we have. Lord, we've got areas that we need your help with. God, we're asking you to help us today. Lord, we need help, especially in the areas of relationship. God, help us and change us today in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, and I want to look at verse 24. And I want us to begin to realize and understand some things as we step into what marriage is. First of all, I want you to see it. I want you to see it in the Word of God that for the, from the beginning, the Bible says, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Say one flesh. See, so we see from the very beginning that, that we're need, they, the that man needs to leave his father and his mother, and the Bible says to cleave, to, to be united to his wife. And the two shall become one. I mean, I, trust me, I... Oh, Lord. I'm like, if there's any younger kids in here, they might need to go into the nursery. I'm just, just giving you... Because we may talk about some issues that you may not want your child to ask you about later. Amen? So, anyways, if that's you in the Spirit of God's operating in you and you want to ask questions you'll be calling me back later can you answer this question for my little johnny because you said this and i don't know how to tell him so i want us to understand and realize some things as we begin to move forward that he said that we're to leave his father and his mother 
and to cleave unto his spouse. Now you can see uh, Jesus talking about this scripture in Matthew chapter 19. You know, when, when the Pharisees were coming and they were questioning him on some things, he brings this scripture to play and says, from the original, the beginning, that it was up to a, a, a man to leave his father and his mother and to be united to his wife, and the two shall become one. So we not only see that in Matthew chapter 19, but you also see that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Now, I know Jeremy had Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, but let's go back up a couple scriptures, and you'll begin to see the Apostle Paul also reference this scripture in Genesis 2.24. See, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. In fact, the statistics that... That I, that I heard were nine out of ten men that are married live to past the age of 65. And do you realize that if they're single or divorced men, that six out of ten men live to be the age 65? 60% or 90%? That's a, that's a staggering statistic. So it's not good for man to be alone. Would you agree with that? And statistics prove out it's not good for man to be alone. See, when God created the universe, he created laws that governs the universe. He created laws. He, he created aerodynamics. He created the laws of physics, physical laws. He created thermodynamics. He created the laws of gravity. Now, we know and we've talked about this. You know, you can be a great person. But if you, if, and no matter how good you are or how great you are, if you violate these laws, there are consequences to your circumstances. Amen? I mean, you can be the greatest person and you can be loving and you can be caring and you can step off the top of this building, but a law will kick in that when you fall, you're going to splat. Yeah. So we have to realize and understand, and it's been this way from the very beginning. Every single generation since Adam and Eve have operated under these same relational laws. And that's what we're going to begin to look at. And if you violate these laws, and I have violated these laws, I can look back in a, in a previous marriage that I was in, and I can see where I have violated these four laws that we're going to give you over the next four weeks. And there are consequences to violating those laws. So the greatest thing that I try to do now, I want to do now, is not to violate these laws. If you want to have a great marriage, then you're in the right place. Because over the next month or two months, we're going to really begin to focus on this. And if you've got friends, you've got family, you need to get them and say, look, you just need to come and hear how to have a great marriage the way God wants us to have a great marriage. Amen? See, we have to realize that there are, and I'm going to go through, four foundational laws of marriage. Four foundational laws of marriage. And today, we're just going to, we're going to give you a 100% chance of success at marriage. Amen? And we're going to take the first foundational law, and that's what I want us to take a look at. As we look at Genesis, stay with me at 2.24, we're going to take a look at the law of priority. Say that. The law of priority. And we're going to take a look at this law of priority. We're going to see how it operates, what, how it begins to work, how we have violated it personally. You're going to see this, okay? So as we begin to look at this word, in, in verse 24, he says, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife. Now, when you look at this word leave, this word leave means to loosen. It means to relinquish. It also means to permit. It also means to let go. 
And we've got to get an understanding of this. We've got to let go. Now, I want you to understand that in this scripture right here, God wasn't just talking about Adam and Eve. He wasn't talking about Adam and Eve at all. Because at this time, they didn't, they didn't have a mother. So it was the generations to come that he was addressing. Y'all get this? Right, I mean, you realize that Adam and Eve didn't have a mom. I mean, some of you are going like, what? They didn't have a mom. They were created. Do you realize that you were created in the image of God? Isn't that what the word says? You're created in, in the image of God and in his likeness. So when we begin to look at this, we need to realize that we need to let go of this relationship with mom and dad. Some moms are not going to like this. We need to let go of the relationship with mom and dad. And the Bible says to cling to. To cleave to. That means to adhere to, to go to. Our why? See, he's now, look, this is the only thing that God is really saying that with the relationship with your mother and father, now this supersedes that relationship. All right? Well, you can say, well, you know what? I know that blood is thicker than water. Yes, but when people are married, and there's been people married right here on this platform, when they are married that they are spiritually joined together and the Spirit is thicker than blood. Amen? So we begin to realize and we begin to understand this. See, marriage, according to this, is prioritized in an order that supersedes anything else other than your relationship with God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So in other words, if you're putting somebody else or something else before your spouse, they're going to get jealous. They're going to get jealous, aren't they? You guys have all experienced it. Haven't we experienced We've experienced jealousy. Come on, we're in the house of the Lord. We're laid bare before Him. You know, He sees it. He knows it. He realizes it. But if it's prioritizing something else, then you are immediately going to have resentment and you're immediately going to have discouragement. When all of a sudden, it's, it's out of priority. There's a term that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, and it's a, a term called legitimate jealousy. Legitimate jealousy. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You know, we deal with jealousy in, a, in, a, in, in, in deliverance. We deal with issues like that. But I want you to know something that the Bible says uh, in Exodus um, 34, 14, that God is a jealous God. In fact, the Bible says that his name is jealous. So we have to realize and understand that if we're created in his image and in his likeness, that there is an issue when we put something else out of proper order that we become jealous. Come on, somebody. I know this, this is good here. And I want us to get a hold of this thing. I want us to get a great revelation and understanding of this. Because if we're created in God's image, and we are, then there are times where we're jealous, and it can be a legitimate jealousy. Legitimate 
She's got a reason to be jealous. Shouldn't be out messing around with them other women. (laughs) Yeah, all of a sudden they become more of a priority than your spouse. Amen? See, we begin to look at this and we begin to realize that God is a jealous God. And whatever is taking the place of him, he's not going to bless. You can put your job before him. You can put kids before him. You can put money before him. You can put all these things before him, but he's not going to bless it. It may prosper in the natural realm, but it's not being blessed in the spiritual realm. Come on. So we begin to look at this and we begin to realize and understand that what God puts together, Matthew 19 says, no man put asunder. So we begin to realize and understand that it's, it's not good for man to be alone. I want to share with you a couple statistics real quick. This lady by the name of Jane Altus, she did a survey, and she surveyed the, the, the happiness of a marriage. And it was between the honeymoon until death. Now here's what began to happen. when They were the happiest when they were newly married. And then children began to come on, and, and things began to change. And what happened is it, it began to decline. And then during junior high and senior high years, it began, happiness in a marriage began to reach an all-time low. And I know some of you are going, oh my, I'm in that right now. I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that He cares for you. And these are statistics that, that don't line up with the Word of God because God says you can have the marriage better and greater than anything that the world has had. Amen? So another statistic she had is she said usually the, when the children leave that there's a little more happiness in the relationship. And then, you know, when they begin to get older, when you begin to age, it begins to decline even more. Well, it's sad that the happiest point is when you first get together. But that's not a marriage designed by God. Because a marriage designed by God means that you're going to have happiness and it's going to get better Every day, day after day, year after month after month, year after year. Amen? I mean, that's the marriage that we can have. Because when you have God's plan for marriage, it's guaranteed 100% to, to pass. Amen? It's guaranteed to be blessed 100%. So as we begin to look at this and realize and understand this. See, what happens is when you get together and things are really happy, you know, you can begin to look at And there is a law that comes into place. Think about this. Man, when you were first going out and you were first dating and things were going good, you were you were it now. I'm telling you. Guys, we know that we had we had other friends, and what did they do? They left us. Didn't they? Well, I can't believe you're going with her tonight, man. Tonight's Friday night. It's our night, man. Tonight's our night. I can't believe you just go fine. You know what I'm talking about. And women, it's the same thing. It's ladies' night out. What? You're going with him again? I can't believe you're going with him again. Don't, geez, don't you know it's our night? It's our night. Come on, it's our night. All the girls, we're all getting together. It's going to be great. And fine, go with him then. But, I mean, you're the cat's meow. You're the big deal. Well, they used to call it the bomb years ago. You know, you used to the bomb, you know. 
You're the bomb. Things are going on. I mean, you know, what happens, guys, is we used to work, didn't we? We'd work and we'd be thinking about her and, and thinking, oh, babe, when I get off, we got a date tonight, boy. I'm going to go home, take a shower, and I'm, I'm going to get some cologne on. I'm going to be smelling good. And I'm going to put my babe on my arm. Can't tell me nothing, bro. <laughs> didn't we think about that? Right. And that begins to happen. And see, what really happens is then we get married. But here's what begins to happen. And you get married, and it's really great. I mean, you know, and then then children come along. And here's what begins to happen. Is the husband begins to focus, turn his priorities towards his job. And when the husband begins to do that, the wife, because of her loneliness, begins to turn her priorities towards the children. And then what begins to happen is this big circle takes place. Well, you don't spend any time with me. Well, every time I come home, you're sitting down and and you're worn out because of the kids. You're just staying with them all the time. It's what about this and what about that? And then she retaliates to him and says, well, what, what about you? Every time I come home, you're sitting in a recliner. We don't ever do anything anymore. We don't ever go anything anymore. You never take me out. In fact, it's been a long time since I've ate. Just you and I. When are we going to get together? And then the whole circle comes back again. And he says, well, it's because you're spending all the time with the kids. We got no money because you spend it it all on the children. There's nothing else that's there. Come on, somebody give me an amen. amen. I mean, you know the truth is here. Amen? And the truth will set you free. But that's what begins to happen. We begin to see that because of the relationship that we had. Because when Shelly and I were dating, man, and I, I put her first. I mean, we had telephone conversations that, that were very expensive because I was in North Carolina. I'm not even going to go there. But... um. But but understand that it was a priority. How was your day? Oh, great! How was your day? What'd you do? And did this and did that and and everything else. Because what happens is we begin to realize and understand that we have turned away from the law of priority. We've gotten some things out of out of kilter. You know what I mean? We've, we we've got our priorities mixed up. Because whatever takes the place of your spouse you will begin to immediately become jealous. I want to give you four ways today to be able to maintain and establish proper priorities in your relationship. We've got to get it down to real terms, okay? In real terms, not just words. Let's start doing it. Let's get to be real. Let's be real, all right? Not just words saying, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, but let's be real. The, the best way, these are proven ways to maintain a proper relationship and to establish proper priorities in your relationship. The first thing, first of all, is sacrifice. Sacrifice. What are you going to give up for me? What are you going to give up for me? I, I was reminded of the scripture when I, was, when I was asking the Lord about this, and he said, 1 John 4.10 He said, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, God loved us so much that he sent his son as a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice for God to reconcile us, to send his only son 
that whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's a sacrifice we have to understand and we have to realize that. Okay? So what are we going to give up? What are you going to give up for me? There's got to be a sacrifice You know, there was no problem when we were dating. I was willing to give up going out with the guys. In fact, there were times where I played, you know, basketball and said, you know, I'm not going to play tonight. Why? Because I'm going out. There's some things that I'm going to do, but I was going to do it with you, but now I'm going to do it with her. Well, I thought you were going to go with me this weekend. Now I'm going with her. See? So it becomes a sacrifice. If if, if we want to continue to have a good relationship... In every area. And this isn't just about marriage. But same way with personal relationships with each other. There's a sacrifice that takes place. There's a sacrifice. Are you willing to give up mom and dad and cling to your spouse? Hmm. Hmm. Are you willing to lose your parents before you lose your spouse? See, there's a problem with society. And maybe it's the parents, too. The moms want to have that umbilical cord still attached to their kid when they get married. And that thing needs to be cut off, man. We find that a lot. We find that a lot in society. I mean, the kids, kids can graduate and leave the house, and they got their umbilical cord wanting to know where to stick it in at. Where do I plug this umbilical cord in? They go to college. They do. They go to college. They, they go to college, and they're like, where, where does this go? They do. Where does this go? Because, I mean, I always had somebody to clean for me and uh, to cook my meals and to wash my clothes. And I, I know if I plug this thing in, then, then I'll get that. So we're, we're partly to blame. Parents are partly to blame because we've said, oh, you know, blood's thicker than water. It is thicker than water, but it's not thicker than the spiritual realm. The spiritual bonding that takes place when you get married. And I'm not talking to you about never to talk to your parents again. I'm not talking about that. Because the Bible says to honor your mother and father. Amen? And it's, it's a promise. But, but it, when it comes down to it, and there's been times where it's come down to it, and I said, look, it's none of your business, Mom. I love you, but it's none of your business. But I need you to pray for me. This is what I'm going through. And I'm going to take sides. Listen, one thing we didn't understand as kids. I'm the youngest of five. We didn't understand. And my dad always, always took mom's side. And I'm thankful for that now. I look back then and thought, why is he? She's wrong. We're right. I I could get my three sisters and brothers in. Aren't we right? We're right. And dad always took my mom's side. And they had a great marriage. They had a great marriage. They, you know why? Because he didn't violate the law of priority. The second thing, not only sacrifice, but the second thing is time. Are, are you going to give me time? Time that matters. Now, this works both ways, brothers and sisters. Don't just think it's the guy. What are you giving up for me? You haven't given up anything for me. You didn't give up golf for me. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't give up Saturday football for me. You didn't give up TV for me. You didn't give any of that up. And then you, what are you giving up for him? It works both ways. But what about time? Let's take a look at time because you've got to give me time consistent with your priorities. Somebody say time. 
Think about this. We've got to give time that's consistent with our priorities. I mean, I'm, I'm really thankful you guys are here today. Because it's a priority this morning for you to come and honor the Sabbath. See, the Bible doesn't say the Sabbath was for God. It says it was for you. It's for you to get refreshed, for you to get rejuvenated, for you to get strengthened. It's for you to be spiritually fed, for you to have a break off of the things that normally pull you down. Are we giving our wives times? Are we giving our husbands, let's say spouses, are we giving our spouses the proper time that they need? The third thing is energy. If we're talking about real terms here, am I giving you enough energy to meet your needs? Guys, we are not doing that, and that's got to change. Ladies, you're not doing that, and it's got to change. You know why? Because all your energies are going for the kids all day long. Now, I know it's difficult. We do. We know it's difficult. And guys, it's going towards your employer all day long. And that's great. That's, that's fine. But you've got to come in. There is a reservoir down here that we haven't even tapped. It's amazing how, <laughs> it's amazing how you can be kind of wore out. And then the spirit of shopping hit. <laughs> Honey, do you want to do this? No, this afternoon. Do you understand? I'm really tired. Then the phone rings. You know, it's, hey, so-and-so, let's go shopping. Hey, I'm revived. I'm restored. Amen. I mean, it works the same way. I'm an equal opportunity here, okay? It works the same way with guys. And would you take out the trash? Maybe a little bit later. So-and-so calls and they're doing this. Hey, I'm ready. I'm right there. I'm there. Boom. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm in. What about the trash? I'll get it later. No, because later you're going to come home. You're going to be tired. <laughs> so we have to realize and understand that. So energy. Are we giving them enough energy? I've got to be able to come home, although I have people pulling on me all day long in some issues, and if, whether it's physically or mentally, it, you're, 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 you're actually using energy. And I've got to be able to come home and say, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Most of the time I say, kids. <laughs> but I've got to have the energy to meet her needs. And in the same way, she's got to have the energy to meet my needs. Okay? The first was sacrifice. The second was time. The third was energy. And the fourth is attitude. Say attitude. I love being with my wife. I love being with you. And that's what the attitude does. That's what the attitude says. I love being with you. There's football and everything going on. But honey, I love being with you. See what I'm getting at? I do. I love being with her. I love being with her. And this is some things that we've got to look at. Our attitude has got to be not like this. We're going shopping. We were watching a video on, on the deal the other day, and this lady this was doing arts, and they were trying to help each other, and she was, he was going to do some stuff that she liked, and she was showing him this art stuff, and he was going. <laughs> We've got to change that attitude. Okay? 
I, I don't like to shop. I definitely don't like to grocery shop. I, I am not on a Walmart ministry. <laughs> People come in. They see me. If they see me once or twice, they might not see me for six months. But there's, I love being with her. And there's times where we're not together. Oh, honey, I just love being with you. And she goes here and she goes there. There's times where we're in the same room together, but we love being with each other. We may not even say words to each other for half an hour, 45 minutes. But I love being with her. I love being with her. And I've got to have that attitude. It's like, hey, I love being with you. I want to be with you. It'd be great, honey. I'd love to, love to be with you, and I, I want to do this. And we've got to balance this thing now. Because sometimes when you first get married, they don't, even, they don't even want you to go to work. Honey, don't leave. Don't go to work. And trust me, the guy does not want to go to work. He's like, ah, I quit that job. I'll get by with it. But, but I've got to go to work. You know, we've got, we got bills to pay, Right? I mean, but there are some times that we gotta, we got to love being with each other, and, and that's an attitude. See, if your spouse is not first in your life, except for your relationship with Jesus Christ, in real terms, they'll get jealous. They'll get jealous. Are you hearing me? Your spouse will get jealous. And, and as long as the jealousy remains, and you continue to do it, it'll do more and more and more damage. It's something that has to be reversed. It has to be changed. But here's a couple things that we must do. First of all, we must prove priorities in real terms. Just don't say it. Honey, you're important to me. Don't you know how important you are to me? I mean, I didn't go golfing the other day because I had to mow the lawn. And it's important. You're important to me. Getting that done because you wanted it done, I got that done for you. we we got to do it in real terms. I mean, we've... They know if your yay is your yay and your nay is your nay. The second thing that we have to understand is that priorities must consistently be protected from good things. We've got to continually protect these good things that come our way. We've got to protect those priorities. See, we talk a lot about idols. Jeremiah talked about an idol. I mean, it's like, we don't, in the Western culture here, we don't have a whole lot of idol worship where you've got a statue in your home, other than Catholics, but, you know, we don't have a whole lot of idol worship. You guys don't have an altar to Baal in your home. I, I hope you don't. But we don't really, traditionally, in, in the Western culture, we don't have a whole lot of idols. But see, what happens is an idol is not normally something evil. An idol is something good or can be something good that is out of priority. Are you with me? I mean, going to work and earning money to pay your bills and put food on your table and get the necessities that you need of life and some of the abundant life, being able to have monies to do that... That's, that's not an evil thing. Going to work is not evil. Pursuing after money to do these things, it's not evil. But see, what happens is it can become an idol in your life. The children, the children are not evil. Most of them. (laughs) 
But they can become an idol. Listen to me. They can become an idol. And the priorities, it's only because you've gotten your priorities changed. And we have to look at that and we have to identify that and we have to realize that. See, the things that destroy marriages are not usually the bad things or the evil things. They're usually the good things that have gotten out of priority. Sometimes we've put hobbies too far up the priority list. And that's become more important than anything else. Okay? We were talked about Matthew 6, 33, 34. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. So I want, us to, I want you to put up a slide. It's, I want to help you out. And, and I want us to look at some priorities. I believe these priorities, and, and I think you'll find they're right. I believe that these priorities, it needs to be how it needs to be. First of all, you need to have God as the number one priority. I'm not talking about church. Hello? I'm talking about your personal relationship with God. See, sometimes people put church as the first priority. And that's out of balance. Okay? Personal relationship with God. Number two, your second thing, I, I believe that it, it's your spouse. And I believe that when you look at Genesis 2.24, it verifies that. Okay? We know that we're not supposed to put anything, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, and only Him shall you serve. We know that we're not supposed to put anything before God. But I believe that in our priority list that our spouse should be second. And according to Genesis, if we don't put our spouse second, we can open the door for jealousy to come in. Jealousy can come in. We've all been there. I'm not going to ask for hands because every single hand should go up because we've been there. There's been times where I've been jealous, jealous of things because maybe Shelly didn't have her priorities right. Some of you caught it, some of you didn't. It's the same way. For me to sit up here and say that she's never been jealous, I believe I'd be lying. There's been times where she's been jealous, and there's times where she tells me, Eric, I need you. And that's great, she tells me that way. And I'm glad we got a communication that we can talk like that. She can say, I need you. And there's times where I can sense where I need, to, I need her. I, I need, she needs me to be there. I've got to be there. So there's times where I'll cut off everything else. Even our kids. Our kids will tell you. There are times when they, we come home and we've got a time together. And they'll come up. When they were little, they would come up. We need this. Dad's home. Mom's home. Yay, yay, yay. And we're like, Mom and Dad are talking. We'll, we'll visit with you in about 12 minutes. After we talk to each other first. Because we need that. Because our priorities. What it was showing is that I was putting my wife as a priority. Alright? The third thing is children. Children. They're, they're, they're definitely important. But they shouldn't be more important than your spouse. Hello? 
I don't care if you came from a blended family. It doesn't matter to me if you've got divorced kids and they're coming into a family and you're saying, well, you know, they're mine biologically, so I've got to pay them favoritism. No, it's wrong. You are violating the law of priority because when God brings you together and the Spirit of God goes into operation, that you two are now one, that you need to have value and you need to place that value, you get them out of priority. And a lot of times from blended families, listen to me, I'm talking from experience, we can begin to put our biological children above our spouse, and it is wrong. It's true. I believe the next thing is church. Church is a very intricate part of my life. Of course, heaven is also. Not saying that you can't go to heaven and not go to church, but you got to be careful. Church is important. But again, where do we have it in, in, in the choice of priorities? Where do we have it? Sometimes we got church moved up. We got spouse and children moved down. Sometimes we got children moved up, even above God, and we've got everything else moved down. Okay? Whatever you do for a living, isn't going, shouldn't change where you go to church. Yow. That just went over everybody's head. Listen to me. It doesn't matter what job you've got. When you find a fellowship, be involved in it, get involved in it. And if your job changes, you don't change churches. I know some people change churches just so they could be in a, a politically correct church. And maybe get a better job. So now they have gotten their priorities messed up. Amen? I think uh, the next thing is extended family. I mean, your family's important. I'm talking about in-laws. Aunts, uncles, cousins. That, that, that's important. Family's important. I mean, God created family for us, guys. I mean, there's a lot of times we say, well, you know, they don't treat me right. I don't, they, they're not my, part of my family. Well especially believers. And when I say extended family, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about church family also. And then you can look at friends. You can look at work. You can look at hobbies. You can look at other interests. I believe it's down the line. But I, I, I'm, I'm telling you here today, then you look at this and you see this, it was not that way with me in the past. In fact, in the past, I put work first. I violated the law of priorities. I put work first. I put work in front of anything and everything. Have you? Yeah. And then I put God first. I said, God's more important than anything else. But it was God then work. <laughs> it was. I told you I violated these laws. I, the laws that I'm going to teach you guys, I violated all four of them. And there were consequences to all four of these laws. There were consequences to all four of these laws. So we have to realize and understand that. But let me help you out. One of the things that, that will help you out on this and help you be able to grow is some disciplines or traditions. Okay? I'm not talking about a religious tradition, but I'm talking about a discipline. And one of the things that, that we, we've tried to do, I had a friend of mine many years ago, and I said, hey, you know, I've been married for so long. How, how, what's the secret to your marriage? 
He said, Eric, he said, we have Friday nights where we go out to eat every Friday night. That's what you guys do, isn't it? And it's a discipline to do that. But when you know he's taking you out on Friday night, it adds value to you, doesn't it? It puts things in a proper perspective, doesn't it? It, it matters. And she said it's their date night. They have a date night every Friday night. Every Friday night. And I'm not talking about a date night where you go and you buy a hamburger and you go home and sit down and look at the TV. I'm not talking about that. But that's one of the things that will help you out. There, there's times where Shelly and I, we, we don't schedule it. We, we're going to. We're going to have to change it and start scheduling it. And say, you know what? But there's times on Friday night. Another thing that we've done is we've had family nights. We've had family nights where it doesn't matter. The kids are like, hey, I got plans tonight. Don't make plans. It's family night. And if you make plans, you change your plans. And we're going to go bowling. We're going to go watch a movie. There's times where we've camped out in the living room and made popcorn. Didn't spend a whole lot of money. There's times we've just done different things for family nights. So you can do these things. These, These are a discipline to have a family night. I look around today, this is a discipline, Sabbath. Our kids don't ask if they're going to church or not. Hello? Hello? They don't get up and go, are we going today? They know that alarm goes off, we're going. It's not an option in my household. If they want to have any other freedom, it's not an option. Right? But how many people do you know that don't do that or you come to you come to church and you honor the sabbath and your kids stay home or vice versa we got a lot of the other kids coming in parents coming in dropping their kids off and saying i'm gonna go do the things of the world and you go do this how about getting away together yeah you gotta schedule it there's times where you might have to take a, a, a calendar or your day planner if you've got one and, and, and look at it and go boom this day that day belongs to her I realized I was violating the law of priority just recently in my marriage and I began I began to look at it the spirit of God began to convict me when I told my wife that I take off on Fridays and I don't have anything planned, and she turned to me and said, since when do you not have anything planned? And I said, Monday. This was Labor Day Monday. I said, Monday, I don't have anything planned Monday. I realized that I had been violating the law of priority. And I realized that Monday, this past Monday, Labor Day, I just, I had to stay home. I couldn't make any plans. I wasn't going to answer the telephone. I wasn't going to go do something unless she was with me. It might be another holiday before that happens again, but no, I, I, I take those words back because they, that's not true. Because I can't violate this law of priority. I've put other people, other things, good things, guys, good things in front 
of her. And if we're made in God's image, and he is a jealous God, then she can actually legitimately be jealous because I've violated this law. And I don't want that to take place. I don't want her to be jealous over that. How do I do that? You've got to make it happen. Nobody can make these changes except for you. How do I do that, preacher? I don't understand. I'm, I've been trying to do this thing. I mean, you don't understand. No, you've got to get alone with God or you've got to get alone with your spouse and, and you've got to say, wait a minute. I think we've been, we've been wrong here. The kids are banging on the door. Let them bang on the door. Well, that's mean. No, it's not. It's showing her that I've got value. Listen. Why do you make me do these things, God? If our door is closed, there's times where our kids know don't be knocking on that door. And it's not because we don't love them. It's not because we don't care for them. But you know what? Don't be knocking on that door. We're spending time together. We violate the law of priority many times in our lives. And I want us to begin to look at this, and I want us to begin to understand this. If you violate this law, your relationship with your spouse suffers. Amen? Stand to your feet, please. That is one law. We're going to talk the next four Sundays about the other, or the next three Sundays, about three more laws. That if you will get these four laws of marriage, and you'll begin to start doing things, and relationships, it's the same thing. See, if you keep your marriage first, your relationship will prosper. (laughs) I want a prosperous relationship. And there'll be an increase day after day, month after month, year after year. And you won't fall to those statistics that say when you get older, it's not going to be as happy than when you first got married. I can tell you right now, my relationship with my wife is going to get better. And your relationship with your spouse is going to get better. You want to really give the enemy a black eye? then let's start looking at this law of priority. Let's start putting that in place. Let's start saying, God, I'm going to put you first. We're not talking about idol worship, but we're talking about what you have put that's a good thing in front of God. That what you've put is a good thing. Now, if you're not married, I was talking to somebody earlier, they're not married, then your spouse is not in there, then your children come next. If you're from a divorced family and you've got children, then guess what? You're single. Your kids should take a priority in there. All right? Call them. Talk to them. Spend time with them if they're not in your home. If they're in your home and you're a single mom, those children are important, but not as important your relationship with God. And then when God brings that spouse, that mate, that's got to be adjusted. And they come in. How many of you today would say, I've violated this law? Of priority. I'm just asking you to lift your hands. Yeah. We all have. Let's ask the Lord. Let's just pray. Let's ask the Lord for forgiveness on this law of priority. Just ask Him right now. Lord, forgive me. Just say, Lord, forgive me that I violated this law. And, and just pour your heart out to Him. Lord, there's many times where we've we've put our our... our 
our family ahead of our, our spouses. Lord, there's many times where we've put our church ahead of our spouses. Lord, there's many times where we've put everything that we've talked about and listed hobbies and interests ahead of you. God, forgive us. Lord, we repent of that right now. And we renounce the selfishness that we've been operating in. Or not having the proper knowledge that, God, you're bringing forth today. Or not having the revelation to say, wow, no wonder I've been trying to put some other things before my spouse. No wonder it's not been too good in my home. Lord, forgive us for that right now in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. I want you to go home and evaluate your priorities. It's not an easy thing. And those of you that, that are married, talk about your priorities. You know what? Believer or non-believer, this law works like the law of gravity. It doesn't matter if you're born again or not. That law of gravity is going to kick in. God is a good God. I want you to know that He loves you. I want you to know that you are the apple of His eye. I want you to know that you are special in Him. And I want you to know that there's cleansing streams of rivers, waters that's flowing right now to cleanse us where we have done some things wrong. Where we've violated this law of priority and we've put some things in front of our relationship with each other. Let's change this. Can we change this? That irritation, I hope, will cause you to change just a little bit. To adjust your priorities. And I see these young, young men and women, and they've, they've seen good relationships and bad relationships. And they're going to see that, wait a minute, I've got to value this person. Personal relationships, you have to have a value on it. And it comes from sacrifice, and it comes from time. It comes from those things. See, God is asking us, what are we willing to give up for Him? In the same way, what am I willing to give up for my wife? I'm giving these things up to have a good relationship with her the way God wants us to have a good relationship. Amen? How about we give the Lord some praise in this house? Amen? God is a good God. He is wonderful. I'm going to ask you, Pastor Jerry, I'm going to ask you to come up and close and have invite the ministry teams to come up. Shelly and I are going to come back, and we're just going to greet you guys as you leave today. We also, prayer. You need prayer. You need ministry. I'm telling you, we're here to do that. Do not leave here today. Those of you that are visiting, do not leave here today without letting the Lord minister to you in any way, shape, or form that you need Him to minister today. Pastor Jerry? Here we go. Father God, we thank you for the day that you've provided for us. We thank you for the word that's gone forth today and that one of the things James tells us as we learned in our men's meeting that we've got to be doers of the word. So what we've been accountable for today, we are accountable for for this next generation, for this next, next go around, wherever we are. We thank you, Father God, for bringing the people out to hear the word. We thank you that it's an impression and an indelible stamp on our hearts 
that we be able to be that doer of the word, that we respect each other in our marriage, we honor each other in our marriage, that we be able to do what we know we need to do in our relationship. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.